really good to be back uh, with you. We, we get so many smiles and, and just friendly faces, people checking in. So thank you for that. It's a bit of a weird Sunday, not going to lie. Aaron and Trev are both gone. Julie and Carrie are here, which is great. But uh, I was thinking, this is a pretty good opportunity to get away with some stuff. <laughs> so uh, so what I, what I thought we could start with, I think we should paint. I think we should paint the walls. I don't know if this is a good color. Seems good. We may not get the whole way. Maybe we can get some more in that next week. Um, or, you know, we could change the name of the church. And it just, just I'm not, I don't mean to poke Mission Hill. Like, I get the mission part, no hill. There's no hill. So I'm thinking we could just, oh, wait. There are elders here. So, sorry about that, guys. We'll just, uh, how about, um, no, we'll just scale that back. Uh, how about the logo? We'll change the logo. Um, what was your name again, sir? John, I, I hereby, hereby appoint you the logo, chief logo officer of the church. So go logo, go logo-wise. That's, that's your thing. Awesome. Um, and now that I'm looking at the ceiling, I'm a little disappointed because I was also going to propose we install a helipad. I thought that would be cool. You could take turns getting helicopter. I don't know. The kids would love it. You'd attract a lot of people. But uh, how many of you are mildly uncomfortable right now with what I'm doing. <laughs> just a little bit. She's next to my wife. Yeah. She's like, stop. <laughs> oh, man. Actually, this is a setup, obviously. What, what, uh, what I've just been doing actually factors directly into what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Corey mentioned that I'm going to be talking about spiritual authority. I was obviously misusing spiritual authority just a minute ago. But what I'd like to do today is actually take up the trail. I understand you may have already had a, a, an introduction to Luke chapter 9, and I think you're going to get another uh, one next week. I'm going to do like a flyby, because Luke chapter 9 is, is made up of nine different vignettes, different stories. And when you step back from those stories and look at the picture that they paint, we learn some profound things about authority. So um, one of the things that... Uh, one of the things that I, I, I want to kind of mention before I get into what I'm going to do today is there are two things that Jesus was trying to accomplish, probably lots more than two, but at least two things that Jesus was trying to accomplish while he was here on earth. The first one, obviously, as the unique son of God who would become the lamb of the world, who would take away the sins of the world, right? This is his primary mission. While he was trying to accomplish and positioning himself and, and strategically, you know, moving the pieces around, even though the Pharisees thought they were probably in control, what he, he was also doing is recruiting people who would become part of the movement we are now part of and discipling those 12, and then we know 70, 120, right? So he's doing these things at the same time. Now, what this means is that every gospel story we read, even the ones where Jesus is doing something, we are left with a tension that we must figure out, we must resolve. We have to figure out, is this something that Jesus is doing because he's the son of God and only he can do this because he's that unique savior of the world? Or is this something he is hoping to train 
us to be able to do as well, to some degree. Not in probably the degree that he would do it, but to some degree. Like, is there, is there a corollary there? And so, so we're left with this tension every single time. And, and you'll notice that many denominations, this is where we disagree. Where is that line exactly between only Jesus and, and stuff that he commissions us to do, delegates to us? And so what I want to do today is I'm gonna, I want to talk to you about that line and figure out what that means. Now, the reason this is so important, I'll just pause there. That seemed like a good spot. The reason it's so important is that if we try to do what only Jesus can do, we've just made ourselves a little God, right? We are functioning as our own savior. Like I will work out my own security. I will work out my own righteousness, right? And, and my own sense of validation in the world. I'm taking the place of Jesus. This is not a good idea. Only Jesus can provide those things. And so I, I will start to live with self-righteous attitude and I'll think too much of myself. Projected at you, I will try to play Holy Spirit. If I'm taking on that role, and I'll try to change your heart myself with my bare hands if necessary. And this is something that we see in the body of Christ is rampant, right? So we, we don't want to do that. We want to, as we've been learning today, coronate King Jesus, that, that he is the unique son of God, that he has all power and authority, and it's under him that we serve. Only one Messiah, and that's not me, right? We're agreed? Okay, good. Whew. I thought if, I, if we don't agree, I got more work to do. The, the, uh, the second error is also damaging because if we expect God to do the things he's clearly put in our court to do, then the kingdom is not built because he's, he's waiting for us to surrender to his authority and move in that authority to build his kingdom, right? And so, for example, he tells me to love my neighbor, and he loves my neighbor. He's going to continue to love my neighbor. But how many of you know he's not going to be the one to bring the pie next door? <laughs> right? This is, this is clearly in my camp. Right? So this is really important that we grasp this. And I find it's astounding on both sides of the coin. What God expects us to trust Jesus for, because as Corey said, it's, or, or maybe you said it, Julie, runs so counter to how we're wired to trust Jesus for those things like validation and our own righteousness and all of that, it, 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 our flesh is just designed to rebel against Jesus. It's so hard. On the other hand, it's astounding, and we're going to read that today, what Jesus actually delegates <laughs> to his followers. Both of those things are somehow true. So somehow, I just want you to hear this as we begin. Somehow, in Jesus' mind, he can be exalted to the highest place with all power and authority, and then delegate some away. And he's not threatened by it. Okay? So, here's how the, the first vignette starts. And what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read the entire chapter. It's a really long chapter. I would need double the time if I did that. I'm going to pick key verses throughout uh, Luke chapter 9, one, from, one or two from each vignette, that show us something. Because here's what's going on. Luke chapter 9, I think you'll see with me, is a crash course in spiritual authority. And, and the disciples are wrestling intensely with understanding what authority is 
and, and where the line is and what they should use it for, what they shouldn't use it for, their hearts are in the wrong place. Like, it's a mess. And yet Jesus somehow doesn't revoke what he's given them. So let's just look at this together. Luke chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and then 6. We read that when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God to heal the sick. And so they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. It just sounds so matter-of-fact. It doesn't work that way with, with me. I don't know about you, but man, that's pretty awesome. I, I just want to pause here and, and define at least my, kind of my definition of authority. My definition of authority would be that it, authority is permission to use power to accomplish an assigned task or mission permission to use power to accomplish an assigned task or mission. So, to go back to my introduction, what I was doing in the beginning was an abuse of authority, right? What have I been given authority to do? I've been given, I've been given permission by Aaron and actually a commission to stand here to use power, well, my gifts, to do what? To accomplish an assigned task or mission. Just stick to the pulpit, my friend. Right? Like just, we're not going to paint nothing while you're here. Just relax. Just take it down a notch. I don't have authority to install a helipad. I don't have any. All I have authority is this. This, is, this rectangle is what I've got. right? And so I want to be faithful with what I've been entrusted to. So the disciples are given a much bigger rectangle. Would you agree <laughs> in, the, in the previous story? It's kind of, in that story at least, almost like a blank check except that the assigned mission is to build the kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom, proclaim the gospel, right? To heal, cast out demons. Sounds like a lot of fun to me, but um, in, in light of what's happening there, I, I think that the next vignettes are shaped directly by what we've just read. And I personally, I keep going back to that centurion in chapter 7, Right? When Jesus said, hey, I'll come to, to heal your, your servant who's on, the, on death's door. And he says, hey, you don't even have to come to my house. I don't even deserve for you to come under my roof. He says, I get it. I understand how authority works. I am one under authority. There are others under authority under me. I say to this one, go. And he goes. He does. This is kind of what we're seeing the disciples now doing as they're stepping out. So the disciples were one of those people that didn't get like, remember Jesus said, I haven't seen that much faith, <laughs> right, in all of Israel. That included his disciples. <laughs> and, and now he's teaching them something about this. So here's the next vignette. i got to keep going. Feeding of the 5,000. We know this story, right? Jesus, Jesus is preaching and teaching. He's, he's healing. And, and then it's starting to get late, and the disciples are like, well, <laughs> right? They're, they're thinking, I'm, I'm tired. You're tired. Let's just all just wrap this up. Jesus, you might as well tell them to get, go home. And they use the excuse, there's no food, right, for all these people, so you should probably send them home so they can get something to eat. And Jesus, right after giving them all this authority, he replies, you give them something to eat. Us? Like now? <laughs> like, like how? And I've never seen this before, except the context of Luke 9 is he's just given them a boatload of authority, and now they're faced with a completely different situation. This isn't a demoniac on the street. This is not somebody with a limp. 
This is an entire crowd. And he's like, hey, step in. And they're like, I, uh, uh, right? They, they're kind of, but this is what's going on. Now, at the end, I'm going to offer you, you'll be able to download. Uh, I, have a, I created a PDF that actually uses this vignette, this story, to help us understand maybe what our role might be, which largely is giving Jesus just whatever pathetic, <laughs> here, could you use this, right? And he says, yep, I got it. He'll take care of it. But I just wanted to point out that the context of this is I don't think he's asking them to do it because he knows they can't. I think he wants to see what they're going to do with the authority he's given them. And they, here's my other little hint. I don't think they fail. I think this is actually how it's supposed to work because they turn right back to him. Anyways, okay. Going to keep going. The next vignette is very interesting. Um, so he, now he's just given them all of this authority. They're proclaiming the kingdom. He's used them to feed the multitudes. And just to make sure we've got this straight, he, he asks them a question. Who, 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 people, who do who people say that I am? What's the word out there? Oh, well, some people say Elijah. Remember this story, right? Some people say Elijah, John the Baptist. And King Herod actually heard a rumor that John the Baptist, whom he had beheaded, had come back from the dead. He's like, tell me that's not true. That would be really scary, right? And, and so, so people are asking. And then he says to his disciples, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Right answer. So let's be clear. I've given you a lot of authority, but you're not the Messiah. How many Messiahs are there? One. One and only. And it ain't you, Peter. Right? It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how passionate you are or how be obedient you are or how consistent you are doing your devotions. You are not the Messiah. So he's very clear. I, Jesus, am the Messiah. And don't you guys run around with a Messiah complex thinking it's your job to save the world. It's not. Right? Very clear. The next vignette, Jesus opens up something that you would think when he begins speaking, oh, this is, this is one of those times that only you can do this. And he says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Obviously, he's talking about his death and his resurrection and his irreplaceable, unique role as the one and only Messiah, the, the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. Nobody else can walk in those shoes. And yet, look what comes next. Then he said to them all, next verse, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So because Jesus went to the cross, there's, there's a, a mirror image of something that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to walk in his steps. This is what Hebrews says. It's Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says that Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So he goes as, as a human being, fully de dependent on the Holy Spirit, surrendered to his Father, he does all the things we cannot do for ourselves and will not ever be able to do, and sits down at the right hand of the glory of God, turns to us and says, follow me. And he's just cleared a path for us to do things that were not possible before. 
So there's a, there's a, a sense in which what he's saying here is, look, I know it feels like I've just given you the keys to the kingdom and you, it's not like that. He says, yes, you have some keys, but let's remember that if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life to me, you'll find it. He's saying, you've got to be living in submission to my authority in order to carry anything at all. Because how many of you know, we have no power. Those are two different things. These disciples have zero, nothing in and of themselves. Who holds all power? Jesus, right? So, so remember what authority is. It's just permission to use something that is not yours. A traffic cop standing at uh, an intersection directing traffic doesn't have authority to commandeer your vehicle or to, you know, tell you what to do with your life. He's got authority or she to stand there at that intersection and direct traffic. And there's a certain power that they carry, but it's not theirs. Like if you wanted to, you could just keep driving, right? The power is on loan to them from the government. The next one, which I, I'm... I, I'm excited to tune in for, and Aaron's going to talk about next week, is the transfiguration of Jesus. Oh, man, can you imagine what it would have been like to be Peter, and James, and John up on that mountainside as Jesus was transformed? And, and some of the other Gospels talk about him becoming radiant like lightning, right? Absolutely breathtaking. And Peter, again, I think, trying to exercise the authority that he's been given, goes, hey, I've got this idea. I've got this covered. We're going to make booths. And Jesus is like, easy there, tiger. <laughs> Appreciate the enthusiasm. Not, not what I had in mind, right? So he's, you're missing the point. It's okay. We'll, we'll redirect. But there's a sense in which um, there's something here for us too. Look at this, the, the transfiguration. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Peter and his companions, this is a sermon in itself, this line. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. Sometimes we don't see his glory because we're just not awake spiritually. Like, wake up, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you, rise from the dead, right? Um, and yet we read throughout the New Testament places like this, where we all, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, not our own, his, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Interestingly enough, that verb, transformed, is the same one. So Luke's uh, gospel uh, doesn't record in that story the word transfigured, but, but I think Mark does, or Matthew does, I can't remember which one. But, but that's the same verb, transfigured, transfigured. So in a sense, again, because Christ was walking in perfect obedience to the Father, becoming all that we could never be, we are in, it's now possible for us, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, to experience a transformation. Not physically, but spiritually. So Jesus, again, has unlocked things for us that we couldn't have unlocked for ourselves. So good. Um, do you remember what happens right after this story? The Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, they come down from the mountainside. And what do they find? A mess. <laughs> a mess. Because there's a man, and his son is suffer suffering from epileptic seizures. And 
and he's throwing himself into fires and things, and there's a demon involved, and the disciples have been trying to cast out the demon, and they can't seem to get this thing to work, and they're only doing what they've just learned from Jesus that they ought to be doing, and he comes down from the mountainside, and the, the dad comes running, and the chief priests are like, well, your disciple, like, it's a mess. And, and in this account, in Luke's account, we, this is what Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here, and he just casts the demon out, and out it comes. Uh, little aside, how many times have you been in a situation where we pray, and what we're praying for doesn't happen, and we conclude, oh, I guess it's not God's will. This, at least, is one of those situations where the disciples were just missing something. I don't know what they were missing. In, in Matthew, J Jesus said, oh, when they asked, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, well, it's because you have such little faith. In Mark, he says, well, that's because this kind, kind only come out with prayer and fasting in the subtext, right? So, but the clear image is they could have done it. And so Jesus comes and fixes it, <laughs> right? It's, it's a fascinating story. Again, do you, are you seeing the pattern? The, these guys are like, well, what about like this? Well, what about like not like that? Okay, sorry. And then like, oh, but what about no wrong attitude? What about if we tried, what if we put a hell up? No, not like, right? They're just, they're trying things because they don't know where the lines are and Jesus is coaching them in this. The next vignette, we read, <laughs> this is a classic one, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. <laughs> I would have loved to watch this one because Jesus rebukes them. And like he, I wonder how long he let it go on, you know? Peter's like, well, I mean, did you see that guy in the last village? He was like, bleh, bleh, and I was like, in Jesus' name, and out he came. And, and then John's like, which was cool. <laughs> but for me, watching that little boy walk again, that one, and there, you know, and Jesus is like, oh, like I just imagine him, right? You're just not getting it. Um, and he's like, actually, you, you, you guys, you're missing it. You have to become like a little child, right? You have to take that attitude of dependence on the father. Like, it's, you're missing the point. Uh, and then it gets worse. To me, this is the most bizarre one of all. The, they come into the, the, uh, the Samaria, and the people that there didn't welcome him. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Hey, uh, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> no! Like, what are you... Do you see how this is all connected? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And hey, before we go, what were they thinking? You've thought it. <laughs> you're like, well, right? There'd be moments where you're like, would have been nice. Like, I'd like to be able to deal with my enemies. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. In another gospel, I think he says in this instance, he says, What's, you, you guys are of the wrong spirit. Like when you're, you're, you're not, this is the kingdom of hell you're trying to manifest, not the kingdom of heaven. So, Maybe dial it back a notch and let's fix this. And then, of course, the last vignette, we hear Jesus again kind of reiterating that saving your life, to lo uh, losing your life to find it, right? Like no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The, the subtext here is that as the, Jesus is marching through his ministry and his disciples are publicly, visibly doing things, trying things, there are people going, hey, 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 I want to do that. Could I, come, could I come follow you too? 
And, and Jesus actually is weeding them out. Do you remember the story? Well, I, I would like to come, but I got to bury my father first. Well, it's like kind of all or nothing, right? Like this is how he's, but, but at some point, what we read is that the very next chapter, the very next chapter, what happens? Chapter 10, Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 others. Wow. Not just apostles, by the way, if that breaks your theological box. They, the 12 didn't even go. It was 72 others. So, interesting. We, we've learned a couple of things here about, about kingdom authority. And, by the way, I think it's a mystery. And, and if you're feeling a little uncomfortable, I think we should. I, I don't think it's terribly clear. I think it's meant not to be perfectly clear so that we, we take a posture of kneeling before King Jesus and saying, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I could stand up here. I could talk for two hours of stories I've seen of, pe- of, of, of God doing miraculous things as a result of people taking risks and exercising authority. I can also tell you that a week ago, I was part of a prayer time for a really dear uh, friend who is suffering from fibromyalgia. We gathered together, we celebrated communion, we exalted Jesus, we sang some worship songs and prayed, exercised authority, and he seems like he's still where he is in this boat, but I'll tell you what else happened. We all had this sense of being in the sweet presence of Jesus that sort of superseded all of that. We want healing for our friend, but we want Jesus more. Amen? Amen. So I'm going I'm to come back around and talk about just a few takeaways here. I, again, I'll, I'll clarify my initial de- de- definition here. Um, kingdom authority, as I understand it, is God's permission to use his power to build his kingdom in submission to his will. You can't just do what you want. And, and there are denominations and churches that, that talk about just, just lay hold of God for the thing you desire, and that's not what it's about. It's about what he desires. It's about his will being done, not my will being done. And we're not always going to get it. But the second thing is that notice that this is a gift. Please notice. It's a gift, not an award. If you didn't get that from the disciples blowing most of their opportunities, <laughs> right? If it were based on their performance, they would have been yanked like after the second encounter, right? It's not an award. It's a gift. It's for serving others, not ourselves. It's for blessing people, not judging them. Thank The Samaritans thank us for that. <laughs> and it is exercised by faith. I should have added that word there through words and actions, and this is where it gets scary. You'll notice throughout the New Testament that most of the healing miracles took place when someone, either Jesus or the disciples, said, in the name of Jesus, walk. Little girl, get up. That's terrifying. <laughs> and I, I, this, is, this is a learning curve for me as well, but oh my goodness, that's that's where, and, and so I think sometimes when we think of this delegation of authority, we go, well, does that diminish the greatness of Jesus? To me, it magnifies it. Like if, if Jesus, like how great does he have to be to entrust his power and authority to a bunch of morons like that and still get his will done somehow? Like to me, this is way, way more impressive than just reserving it for the best people. Like he... I don't understand how this even works. 
Some people might say, well, is that, do you, do you then start walking around with less faith in God and more in yourself? I guess that's possible. But for me, it's like I am so aware. When I, there are moments when God prompts me to do something, to say something, like in a, in a supermarket or something, and I almost want to throw up. I'm so scared, but I know I need to reach out and love that person. So I am, I am clinging to Jesus. Like <laughs> It has taken me closer because it's, I know that I don't have anything in myself. It's all about him. Um, here's one last thing. The question I want to ask is, what should we take away from this today? Because I know that in this room, there will be people from all kinds of theological persuasions. Some people are like, you want to crawl out of your skin. Like, like Corey spoke so highly of this guy, but I don't know, right? And there are other people going, I think this is where God might be leading me to step out. Everything in between, that's okay, right? Because what are we agreed on today? Jesus is Lord, and we're not, right? He is king, we're not. We come under that banner. Um, what should we do with this? Well, let me tell a story. I was teaching, not this exact message, but I was teaching on this uh, subject probably 10 years ago at Dalhousie Community Church, and sitting near the back was a young lady who had been married a few years, a brand new believer, and, and was kind of going, huh. Because I was talking about this, this thing called spiritual authority and how that, and God delegates, and, and, and she didn't get it. She didn't even know, probably there is a book of Philemon. She probably didn't even know it exists, right? But she's like, that's interesting because her husband, seven years prior, had been injured in a car accident and lived with debilitating pain every day of his life. So his routine was to get out of bed, roll out of bed, walk to the shower, and, and let it soak him and heat up his back for 20 minutes, half an hour, so that he was limber enough to start moving again. So this young lady, her husband falls asleep. He's got his back to her. This is how I'm imagining it. I'm just going to, you know. And she's lying there like this <laughs> and going, Hey, God. Right? Because she, she doesn't know. She's like, um, so I was thinking, <laughs> like, if you could, like, I don't know, like, give some authority to me or something to heal James, that would be great. And uh, so, okay. Um, and she's like, well, I got to do something. Like, no. So, uh, in Jesus' name, be healed or something. Right? Nothing happens, so she falls asleep. Next morning, her husband, I already gave his name away. It's okay. He'd be proud to. Gets up out of bed. He's in this brain fog, walks into the shower, turns it on, standing there, grabs the soap, drops it, reaches down, picks it up, and goes like this. He's like, oh. And so he leans out of the shower. I just picked up the soap. Good for you. You know, no, just like, <laughs> but just, and he's like, I don't have any pain. I have no pain. And, and the way they tell the story, it took him two weeks to tell anybody. Because he's like, no, no, this can't be, you know. Two weeks later, no pain. So then he's in the church foyer. And, and we're all, and I'm, there's a kerfuffle in the foyer. And, and people are laughing. I'm like, what's happening? So he's out there in the foyer. He's got a library book out from the library. He goes, look what I can do. Thunk. And he picks it up. <laughs> look what I can do. Like this. And we're like, 
Praise Jesus, right? Like, this is amazing. She had no idea. She had no idea what she, what she was doing. Um, I, I think here's what I want, here's what I want to leave you with. Um, whether we like it or not, and even if you have trouble with the healing bit, I think we understand when it comes to demonic things, understanding and exercising spiritual authority is part of our apprenticeship to Jesus. It just is. You don't have to be comfortable with it, but it is. The second piece I want to remind you of is that there's a steep learning curve, and it's allowed. We see it with the disciples, right? He's, he's not expecting us to get it right anytime soon. What he does expect is that we trust him enough to be willing to look foolish if he's prompting us to do something and the results are up to him. Amen? That's, I think, what God is asking. And so here's, here's how I want to dial it in really quick. I think there will be people here today, and, and I, I felt it yesterday. I, I felt that there, I was under some pretty serious spiritual attack yesterday. Uh, not a coincidence. But I, I believe that there are people here this morning, you've been feeling uh, like your thoughts are relentlessly being taken away from you, like you're going in circles or they're going down the drain and you find yourself struggling to stay afloat and to keep your eyes on Jesus. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stand up here as the pastor and go, let me pray for you. What I'm going to do is to say, could you take the posture of that young girl, go, I don't get it, but I know, Jesus, that you have died on the cross, you disarmed those powers, and you were seated at the right hand of God, and that you have all power and authority, and I've been given my, my place with you in Christ. I'm seated with you there in the heavenly places. So in the name of Jesus, I command the enemy to, to let me go, to get out of my thoughts. I reject every plan, every assignment against me in the name of Jesus, and I choose to focus my eyes on the Savior. No one can do that for you. But I, I want to say I can see nodding heads in here. Can you, can you please just say, I'm going I'm to lean into Jesus, and I'm going to start exercising authority as he leads me? Would that be good? Okay. Um, last slide. I'm, I promised that. I'm going to get out of the way. I promised that um, I, I created a PDF just for you. If you'd like to um, scan that QR code with your, with your phone camera, it'll take you to a link where you can download a little PDF where we, go, we circle back to the feeding of the 5,000 and those disciples who were told, you, you do it. <laughs> and by the way, they did. Just happened different than they thought, right? So um, if, you, if that's of help to you, if you want to take another step, please do that. Um, just full disclosure, to get the PDF, you'll have to sign up for my mailing list. You can, you can unsubscribe after if you want. Um, but let me, just, uh, let me just pray for us as we conclude here. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Hmm. <laughs> thank you that you're so patient with us. We confess on a day like this, and even as we think of Palm Sunday and, and the, the people's shallow expression of, of praise and honor that didn't last, um, we, we don't want to be those people. We want to come under your authority. We want to lose our lives to you. 
so that you can save us. We, we want to um, coronate you in our hearts every single day to crown you with many crowns. But we also want to trust you with what you've entrusted to us. And quite frankly, we don't get it. We don't feel worthy. I guess that's the point. <laughs> We're not. Um, but you are. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and take hold of this beautiful congregation and, and help each person, no matter where they are, no matter what they're struggling with, to understand what your delegated authority might mean in that situation. And maybe for them, it's not about that. Maybe it's about putting you on the throne again first. Whatever that is, Jesus, we invite you to come do that and, and that this, this message wouldn't end here, but like the disciples who were sent out, it would become the beginning of many, many new stories. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you.